just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Speaking of Influence. We are live at the moment with a, a virtual conference that we're going to be having a chat with an incredible speaker, a speaker trainer, someone who has taken many times to the TEDx stage and he trains other people in being able to do that as well. So if you have questions from, I guess, by all means, post them into the comments box. We'd love to hear them. So my guest is Peter Hopwood. We'll be speaking to Peter just after the titles. Welcome to Speaking of Influence, the podcast for speakers and professionals or anyone who wants to present with impact. Hosted by presentation persuasion coach John Ball. Remember to like and subscribe. If you're thinking of starting a podcast, there couldn't be an easier way to get started than getting started with Buzzsprout. They have all the tools and resources you need for starting a podcast and getting it out to all the major podcasting networks. Check out the link in the show notes and get your podcast started today. Peter, welcome to Speaking of Influence. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here and I can't wait to get stuck in and unpack all the things <laughs> we're going to unpack. Yes, they well, are. Yeah, hopefully we'll have a, we may even get a few people come and join us live as well on the line if we do. Uh, if you're live and getting to watch us, please do post comments and questions, especially for Peter, into the chat box and we'll get to them a bit later on. Uh, right now, though, I wanted to talk to you particularly about what it is you do because, you know, like myself, you are a presentation skills coach. So if you can share a little bit with us about who you do that with and, and what for, that would be great. Absolutely. I mean, you know, John, we, we share the same pro uh, profession. We do the same thing, uh, slightly different, perhaps with different clients and the, and the way we we do what we do. But but generally, essentially, I work with with companies, with individuals, and I literally help them to to define craft and deliver their stories with with impact. So that could be a, a keynote, a, a keynote speaker, a CEO who has to present in front of um, his whole team, his whole company, for example, or it could be a TEDx speaker who's who's got a TEDx talk coming up and needs to craft his story, or maybe down the line he's already got his story kind of defined and he know what he he knows what he's about to say, but he just needs that that little bit of a, a little bit of a push and uh, kind of to define things in the right direction, push push things in the right direction, or it could be teams that need to to kind of show up well online and make sure they're they're doing everything they should should be doing to to sound good look good and uh, get their get their messages across in the right way um in this virtual world that we're all living in living in so yeah. a whole different collection of of ideas but generally essentially showing up with more impact presence and uh, and getting your messages across in the, in the right way and how you want to be perceived. Well, I definitely want to get to discussing some of the how of how you do that with people in a in a while. But first, I want to find out: uh, is speaking something you've always done, or something you ended up moving into? Uh, part of my role, my job years ago, if we go back 25 years ago, something like that, um, which is a long, long time ago, I worked in hospitality. I think you did as well, didn't you? I, I did, yes. Yeah. Hospitality. Um, what, I worked for Disney in Paris. I worked for a, a British, a large British tour operator, and that gave me the chance to, to travel and, and work in about six different countries. Um, and in that role, a lot of it was actually presenting, presenting the results, presenting yourself, presenting the great things you can get up to as on 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 holiday. Um, so it's a, it's a skill that I enjoyed. It's a skill that I I felt I was 
well, I wasn't always great, but well, I don't think I'm great now. But let me, but essentially, it was something <laughs> I really enjoyed. In, it was it, some of the resorts. It was going really, really well, and so commission was good. Some places I did it in, um, you know, wasn't so well. So, but it, but I, I quickly realised you can fine tune the way you come across, fine tune the your, your voice, what you say, how you say something, and and certain phrases would influence people to like you more or like what you're sharing and what you're selling more um so and that that really intrigued me and so fast forward to today um literally about i think it's about 10 years ago i opened up my own company um, presentation skills pitching and that moved on to presenting at conferences as a host as an mc uh, and and as i say today all about tedx speaking tedx coaching and helping people to to really define that the stories they want to share fantastic stuff yeah i, I never really thought about it until you were saying that i'm thinking well did did i really i was in hospitality but was i doing any presentations so i'm thinking well you could count in-flight announcements on the plane that that would be that <laughs> what were you doing kind of presentation. I, I, I was, what I was a doing? flight attendant. I was no uh, way, really, I was for for British Airways for nearly twelve okay, years. Listen, listen, that is absolutely okay. So, flight attendants, when you're on the plane, you, you probably know this already, but as a passenger, passengers' eyes are always on the flight attendants. So, whatever you do, your movement, how you interact with your colleagues as you move past a colleague, and uh, and you know you just brush past them or a smile or a wink to them or what you say to them as you're as you're pouring the coffee and the tea or, or the drinks whatever you're doing people are watching you all the time and your voice your voice on that plane is means absolutely everything that really really defines the feeling I've thought about this a lot because I've done a lot of a lot of flying in the past not not so much now but um yeah there's, there's a whole yeah. that's a whole new ball game um of, of of influence when you're actually on the plane and the things people say like the 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 pilot the pilot his voice often low often often really difficult to understand because it's quite croaky they quite um um there's often a, a lot of interference yeah yeah but often you know that that voice of the pilot is there to really reassure everybody really to get people to feel Naturally, we're going in the right direction. I can, I can think of <laughs> a few instances plane. where that wasn't the case. But yeah. <laughs> I bet you have got lots of... You could even do a, that would a whole be another podcast, podcast just yeah, yeah. on, on flying, communication, and how everything comes across. But but certainly, um, certainly many times I've actually heard lots of flight attendants read, because you have a, you know, those those that are maybe new or not too familiar with the kind of protocol and what you have to say they're reading it off and you can hear they're reading it sure. or or maybe english is not their first language which is which is fine but when it gets to a point where it's <laughs> where you can't understand what they're saying um you might say okay it doesn't really matter because no one's listening anyway but i think it does i think all these small things really add to the whole atmosphere and the flavor and the, and the feeling that that someone has certainly on the plane where you get a lot of people who are anxious I'm, I'm sure you've dealt with lots of people who have the fear of flying indeed or maybe they've got they're worried about something or that you know hundred the people the pass, passengers have so much different we all have different things we bring to that plane and and our states are all different some of yeah. us are excited some of us are are scared, really fearful. Some of the us are just anxious about what's going to be on the other side when they get there. So all these emotions are running wild. They could be. And it's really that the communication and what people hear on that plane during that flight, um, yeah. I think, can, can really influence how they feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can remember being turned around halfway to San Diego on 9-11. And, um, no, really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we uh, we didn't know where we were going to be able to land, all this kind of stuff. Passengers starting to get a bit upset. The pilot was incredible. He, I don't remember his name, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it was his soothing voice and his calm manner that uh, not only kept the crew calm, but also kept the passengers calm as well and kept us very informed of everything that's going on. Uh, and, uh, 
issue like that, that was super important to be able to sort of say what was going mm -hmm. on without giving much detail and um, without having everyone panicking. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely stressful situations. I'd never thought of it in those terms, Peter. Absolutely, and it, it there's so many things. And for example, when there's a delay, which which can mean a, a, a lot for a lot of people, right? It could be just a half an hour delay could be really uh, frustrating. For others, it might not mean so much. Maybe they're yeah. on holiday, they're going home, it doesn't really matter. But for others, it might really mean, mean something. So w when there's a delay and when passengers finally get to the plane, the, the, the words, you know, we're, we're, we're sorry this happened or we apologize that you've had to wait. But what we're gonna do now, we're gonna do our best to, to make up the time and. And, and try to get to our destination as soon as we can. Mm -hmm. Something like that. So a, an apology and a calm apology and a sincere apology in your voice can, can mean all the difference. So yeah, I think there's a there's a whole load of communication in terms of travel, which maybe we can jump into on another on another day perhaps. yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> uh, and it was it was certainly a place for me where i learned that you can get away with saying almost anything with a smile on your face but uh yeah it's a good experience um i want to want to get to uh, i mean it's great that your experience in hospi hospitality felt really set you up for that at what point did it become like okay well speaking is is my thing why did you want to actually specifically work in teaching other people to do this it, it's really simple. It's really simple. Simply, it was something that I felt, <laughs> as I said earlier on, it's something that I felt I was relatively good at. Um, I felt it, I could, I felt more confident in myself about who I was. And I think the skills that I, I, I learned and I was developing at the time sort of said to myself, well, hey, actually, I, I, I feel better. And to help other people do the same just by giving them some ideas, because there's a whole range of things you can do that can help someone. You can help give them tasks to do, and that will change their behavior, and then they'll see straight away a change. Or it could be just, just empathizing with them in the same sense of you've gone through the same thing, and they feel the same, and then that helps them feel like actually I'm not alone. I can, you know, he 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 actually feels felt the same way I feel right now. And there's no reason why I can't do better. Because at the end of the day, as you as you well know, speaking is you know it's a skill set. It's a skill set, and if you you can learn it, everybody can can learn to do better. Okay, some yeah. people at the end of the scale are really talented at it. Some people at the other end of the scale really struggle with it but but at the end of the day i think <clears throat> i think if you if you do these tasks and you do them often and then in your mindset you start to to really believe you can do these things and often when we do them when we when we take action that's a sign that's a signal for ourselves to to say actually i can do it mm. so so yeah doing do actually doing the these things doing the actions can 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 mean so much yeah I, I know for me on my journey the um the road the road to becoming a speaker let alone a, a speaker trainer was one of the biggest personal development journeys that I've had uh, mm. because it pushed me so hard and it pushed through a lot of the uh, insecurities which still come up sometimes you know the the imposter syndrome still strikes at certain times and uh, who am I to be doing this sort of stuff and whatever other insecurities we may have about how we look, how we sound, anything like that. Uh, it's all still there. But when the wife, are, I think when the wife are doing this stuff gets big enough, when it's that important to you and it's not just about you, then that can really drive you uh, and accelerate you faster and help other people to have those kinds of transformations. I would say that I've probably dealt with more people having fear of speaking than fear of flying, which is yeah. which is kind of interesting um, because they're they're both the same sort of thing, really, of ultimately catastrophizing and thinking what's going to go wrong. And I think I really do feel, and I, I hope you. Well, I, I I imagine you'd agree with me as well that this whole idea, the whole notion of the fear of public speaking, is is actually not as as fearful. <laughs> as actually it seems so that the, the energy the the worry the thoughts the um the anxious the, the those anxious feelings all of that 
and then you actually when you actually do do speaking when you speak in public for someone who's nervous it doesn't balance up you know there's too much worry and there's too much i mean you know because everybody doesn't want to be put in the spotlight we 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 all imagine this thing of you know it's, it's really fearful it's really tough it's it's a real challenge and for many it is okay but i think i think there's a there's too much of that and we we kind of convince ourselves that it is actually a really tough thing to do when right. in fact the fear of public speaking and again i think you'll agree with me with this as well from from the, from the many clients that i know you've you've had during your career it's actually not the public speaking that's the fear it's it's all those other things that we have in our lives every day the fear of of rejection so the fear of going up there in the spotlight and people not accepting you the fear of not being valued for what you say yeah the fear of not being listened to the fear of of being judged and you know somebody's yeah. going to think yeah, you know, what, what the, the fear of being it? shamed as well. That's the public shame. shame. Yeah. So all of these things, which is which are completely normal. The only difference is you're you're doing it in the spotlight. You're doing it in a in a right. in a format where everybody's all eyes are on you, right? So that that's that's the only difference. And then I think once you start to think to yourself, actually, <coughs> being judged is is part of. Is part of growing up. Is part of developing. Is part of 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 every human on this planet. Some of us are good at that. Some of us are not good at dealing with with judgment. But the more you, for me certainly, it's a question of. I often think to myself, okay, people have the right to judge me, and people have the right not to like me. Sure. People have the right not to accept me, and reject me. So the more you kind of get to grips with that, and I think as well, the more you get as as we grow older, we get more rejection. <laughs> we get more. Well, most of us do. I don't know. Well, I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. I think. You know what I mean? We get. Yeah, yeah we get I do. Older, I really do. We learn to deal with all these kind of negative feelings that are are kind of normal for us to go through in life, and yeah. and. And so if, by focusing on one of those things, which is the, the speaking in public, letting people judge you, but knowing that you've actually got something to say and something of value, then then that that kind of over overrides yeah. the, the, the judgment feeling. So if you've got nothing to say, for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think that these are all really important points, and and I, and I know for me, one of the things that that got me through this was getting to a point for myself where it didn't really matter whether other people liked me or not, because um, I, and now I think that it actually it's a good thing. If, if there are people who don't like me, that's a really good thing because uh, because not everybody should like you. Like if everyone can like you, no one's really going to love you. <laughs> so because um, you're kind of bland you know you, you like the color beige but as a person and uh, so rather than being bland be something that stands out that people are either going to love or hate and be willing to be that bit polarizing that doesn't mean no, i'm not saying you have my permission to go out there and be a complete a-hole but but be willing to to just not try and be liked by everyone and know that that's a good thing i think that was super important when i gave myself permission to do that that was huge yeah i think the the, the idea of you know the idea of, of some some of us are kind of a real people pleasers where we we it's difficult for us to say no we always want to you know do what we can for people and 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 so we we we, we not say i'm not saying that people like that are just trodden over or just let people kind of take advantage of them but yeah. certainly if if that's that's the kind of person you are thinking of really thinking about what other people think of you is is not necessarily a good thing for, for when you're when you're stand when you're in the spotlight if that's what's it, going through your head yeah it's not a good yeah time. no not good not, not a good, good time for it yeah it's interesting i mean i can think there are still situations where i definitely would get very nervous and still do before before going out and doing a talk like right? uh, competition speeches for like toastmasters things and all of that 
I do still get the ner the nerves, the heart rate starts pumping, all that kind of stuff. Um, for a TED talk, definitely, I would be I would be feeling it, and I know, I know what to do to help me deal with that. But I know that I would I would probably have some trembles at the very least going on. But you've you've done this. Tell, tell me a bit about your your TEDx experience. Yeah, no. So my I I did it like long time ago, 2016, I think it was. And you know what? If I if I had to do another one, if I'm going to do another one. I mean, I won't do it as it wasn't it's not that I'm saying I was bad, <laughs> but there are, you know, lots of things that and we always look back and we can always be, be better. But, um, yeah, I was uh, I felt nervous because I knew that the, this was uh, this was high stakes. This is something that's going to go online. It's going to stay there for many. For many, it it almost defines them in it. But I think this is quite this is a, it's a wrong thing that that a TEDx talk can can define you. Even if it's a good TEDx talk, right. I don't think that, that that's the right uh, format to define anyone really. Because today we see a lot of people. A lot of people come to me or or consult with me um, before they go um, and apply um, for a TEDx talk. <coughs> um, and I, the first thing I ask is, you know, why do you want to do it? Why do you want to be a TEDx speaker? And, and I hear so too often I hear the, the, the same kind of phrases. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's my dream to be a TEDx speaker. It's my it's my lifelong dream to, to, to be on a stage and and be a TEDx speaker. But but the thing is, it's just 15 minutes of a talk yeah, that I mean, is actually pushed out. And, you know, there are so many great there are loads of great speeches online there are loads yeah. there are lots that are kind of middle mediocre but there are so many that, that are not that great and and so letting letting that define you is is not a good thing people who mm. are you know again i've always said it any anybody can be a really good speaker to a level to a, a global level of a, of a tedx talk or even better it doesn't matter who you are where you're from your background at the end of the day, if you've got, you know, you can connect, you can say the right things, share the right story, have the right narrative, deliver in a really strong way. It doesn't matter who, again, who you are, your title, what you've done in the past. But so many people kind of like, they, they maybe they've done a TEDx speech, TEDx talk, and they use that as a way to really try to boost their credibility. Now, TEDx does really it really does help because it attracts attention people want to see it and and okay in terms of the world's population of speakers not everyone has done done a TEDx speech right so what I'm trying to say is I uh, don't let a, a TEDx speak define you uh in any way if it's good it's great and use that in your own way to your advantage but if you're going to, if you, you you want to be a TEDx speaker, ask yourself why you want to do that. Is it because you you want not the fame, but you want the attraction, you want the credibility, and you want to stand out, or is it because you you really have a a, a message which you feel people are going to listen to, mm. change how they think? be inspired, do something different, or just get people after that 15, 16, 17 minutes or so yeah. to feel actually, yeah, that that I, I feel feel differently about something. Because if it's that, then then go go ahead. If it's the other one, start thinking about you know your your message. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the the, the message. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because as a goal, I know many many new speakers even want to go for that. That's my dream. That's my goal. I hear it all the time from people in, in Toastmasters clubs as well, and also you know up and down, up and down the country, all around the world, people are getting into the World Championship of, of public speaking uh, this year once again within Toastmasters. And uh, I had uh, an interesting an interesting message from Darren Lacroix who won back in two thousand and one. Um, who, who I've had on the show uh, as well. And Darren was saying, you know, great that you want to be, you want to win the world championship of public speaking. Great that you want to have a TED talk or a TEDx talk. But, you know, is it realistic for everybody? Or is it even the right thing for everyone? Is that the right goal? 
and I do you really understand what's entailed in this and, and what you're going to get out of it because um I think people maybe think it's going to be like winning the x factor or or Britain's got talent or something like that that they're gonna that they're gonna have their career made well we know that most of those people don't unless they really really work hard now some of them will take off and some of them get forgotten about it's the same with the world championship of public speaking it's probably the same with tedx but that's like your calling card that's probably the one of the first places that people might ever encounter you through a video that because it goes public so it's like you really better be damn well prepared for it if you're going to get on that stage i think oh you're absolutely right spot on um make that which I I did I did prepare, but I, I I look back now and I think I could do so much better. <laughs> I could have done so much better. But yeah, it's it's um yeah glamorizing glamorizing it as something which is you know your you know fifth almost like that fifteen minutes of fame. If it's really powerful, yeah. But if it's if it if it isn't, you know. D- there are a lot of people that are fooled by not fooled, fooled's the wrong word, but but um that that see TEDx speeches and their the level that the benchmark is is a TEDx talk, mm. regardless of really who it is and regardless of of actually the content. So if you've done a TEDx talk, you know, you you you've made it. But um thinking on the other side of yeah, thinking more about the 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 the, the difference you're gonna make with your content, what you're gonna say, how how is it gonna change people's opinions of a topic. Getting, to, getting them to think differently, feel differently about something, um, and making a change. If uh, if if that's if that's the, the the real goal, then 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 it should should work. Yeah. What what are some of your favourites other other than your own? What are some of your favourite TED or TEDx talks that you probably think yeah you should check that out if you want to get a good idea of someone doing it right? Oh, uh, listen, I mean. I mean, it, 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 you put me on the spot. I don't know. I mean, there's, there are so many. Um, there are so many in, in all. I would suggest. I would suggest, actually, there's okay. Mark Bowden. I'm sure you you know you know who he is. Uh, a great, um, a great speaker, trainer, a coach, body language expert. Probably the not probably. I think he's not number one body language expert on the planet. Uh, a great um, talk. He's done, I think he's done a few maybe. But check him out. Um, but there's listen, there are so many. Um, there isn't anyone particular, I would say, definitely he or she looking at him, watching what he or she's done is gonna right. is gonna take you forward. But I just you know, there's so there are so many different ones as well. So you don't you don't necessarily have to have you know be flamboyant or have a have a really strong story. You don't necessarily have to have that, and you don't have to have all that energy. You can just be as so you, you can be calm you can have focused energy you can you know some some people bring in props for example when they begin um some people shock people right at the beginning with their opening statements i, I mean there there are there are so many so many yeah. different ones maybe i i, I, I could think, I think of a couple and, and send them over and you can put them in there yeah and the please comments do. when this uh, yeah there are a yeah. few but i just can't think of off the, off the top of my head yeah, I mean, there, yeah, definitely mine. there. Don't look at mine. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are definitely some. There are definitely some I've seen over time. Uh, one, one of my favorites actually is a friend of mine, Julian Treasure. He has a great talk on uh, um, on on how to how to speak people. so people listen. Yeah, uh, that's right. You know Julian, uh, yeah, he's, yeah. He's I've known cool. Julian for quite a long time, and uh, very nice guy. And mm. uh, hopefully, we'll get him on the show at some point as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, him and uh, I think, oh gosh, uh, Sir um, Sir Ken Robinson as well. One of my favourites. Sadly, Sir Ken died last year, but um, definitely one of my favourite ever TED talks. But there's a they, these are TED talks. There's, there is a difference between TED and TEDx, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, uh, TED talks are really like this. The I would say it's bigger, stronger, um, more renowned. <coughs> Um, cities, um, higher profile speakers, perhaps. TEDx, uh, pretty much anywhere around the world. Uh, we take, for example, Croatia here. There are many different TEDx um, uh, organizers who've 
managed to get a license. So you've got the, the TEDx Zagreb, TEDx uh, University of Zagreb. I think there's a TEDx Women as well. And so if you can manage, if you're um, lucky enough to, to, to arrange everything and get, get a license, um, you know, anybody can, can, can do that. Yeah. When, when it comes to this, then you said already, if you ideally it's, it should be go for this. If you've got a great message, you really want to share with people rather than as an accolade or a feather in your cap, it's uh, better to be thinking about it for, for what it can do for people, which I think is generally true in, in public speaking and presentation work. Anyway, I think that's a great way to, to approach all these things. Um, but, uh, maybe even the Toastmasters World Championship is probably, probably still a great way to, to approach that as well and make it not so it's not so much about you. What, in your opinion, are the people who are going to benefit the most from taking to those kinds of stages? You mean the people, the speakers who who become a TEDx speaker, what are they going to benefit from? Yeah? yeah. They're going to, okay. So, okay, naturally the attraction, the credibility, people are going to see you, you, you can become a TEDx speaker and that's, again it's in your profile and you put it on linkedin and that's you but but ultimately i think it's it's about when when all the eyes are on you knowing how to keep everything calm and keep everything moving well and 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 dealing with that whole process of putting your talk together 15 minutes or 18 minutes or sometimes actually that's the maximum but you can have you know a lot of people do it 12 or 10 in fact, the ones that are shorter, they often get higher number of views naturally. So, um, so keeping less, it shorter less. is even better. So yeah. that whole process of an idea, a message, a story, a company story, your own story, struggle, achievement, whatever it is, bringing that right down and, and, and creating something that gets people's attention, ideally, get people's attention and keeps them with you in that short amount of, amount of time is a skill. So once you've done that, often people who I've worked with afterwards, they've used the skills, they've used the ideas, they've used the, the kind of process that we, we, we worked on together and adapted that and used that for their next presentation, which, which might be 20 minutes. It might be half an hour, it might be 60 minutes, whatever it is, yeah. but condensing things down is a skill. And the more we do that in our communication, the, 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 the better. Certainly now, when everything is on this, within this square <coughs> virtual box, keep people's attentions are a lot shorter. People looking at a screen, any time we look at a screen, it, we, we, you know, we we need to. It needs to attract our attention. So, watching yeah. TV, watching Netflix, whatever it is, it's all done. Films, movies, all done to attract our attention. Now, if, yeah. if we're not doing that in some way on a screen, then then people are going to, you know, tune off. So, yeah. the condensing things using a, a process of of getting your ideas together and sharing them in a in a sharp condensed snappy compelling captivating way which is what a tedx talk really should be yeah. with a very clear message then that can only be a benefit to to you as a speaker uh, as a presenter and somebody who shares their messages yeah that's a, the thing i think you always have to keep in mind is if there was just one thing that people took away from your talk or presentation, what what do you want it to be, and does your presentation deliver? And and I think that that's something I think about every single time that I give a talk or a presentation. Is that if there was just one thing that people remember from this, what do I want it to be, and uh, and to make sure that that gets remembered above above everything else. Yeah, and, and often 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 when you're working with somebody. <coughs> just simply getting somebody else's opinion okay just getting somebody else to see what you've done can really help because yeah. when you're when you're in it as you know you, i don't know if you're writing a book or writing a song or poem or or working on something you know you're you're fully in it and and spending a lot of time and energy and hours to to get it right often we can get lost or just get sidetracked 
in a way that makes things more complicated. So mm. often letting other people in on the in on the um, in on the talk a little bit. So let's say I've got a, let's say somebody's put together their, their talk. We're at the kind of final stages and <coughs> they're kind of ready to, to, to perform and to, to deliver. Often it's a good idea just to get other people to to come on in and just see and give their opinion. Doesn't mean you have to listen to it. Doesn't mean that they're right. Sure. But it's 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 a nice way to just get others to to feel, try to get them to feel the same things that you want them, that that maybe me and and the, and the client have been working on trying to trying to achieve. So yeah. you know, getting other people to listen and hear is a good good thing. Yes, because quite often what you want to communicate isn't always what gets communicated, isn't always what gets understood. So it's it's always a good thing to to check in on that as much as possible. Um, but I, I really liked what you're saying about uh, really making sure that you, you condense things, make things shorter to have more impact. We see that now online with online courses, uh, with this show, right? I mean, I started off doing this show an hour and a half, two hour episodes. People don't want to make that kind of time commitment, you know. Uh, unless you're Tim Ferriss or um, or Joe Rogan <laughs> or someone like that, people don't really want to commit that amount of time to a podcast. So, you know, even for me, like, okay, I'm trying to keep it around thirty to forty-five minutes now for the show, um, and still get the valuable conversation in that I and I, I can happily keep going for much longer uh, because I love asking questions and having these conversations with people, um, but finding those ways to deliver still good value with a bit less. <laughs> no. Absolutely. So condensing things down, making it sure. I mean, I think you've, um, yeah, you've, you've started to put some of your content, I think on, as a podcast and they're short, yeah. I think they're what, like five minutes long, something like that. Like yeah. That. The, the daily shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're short, they're sharp, they're bite size. They're, they're digestible. Yeah. They're um, getting traction as well. They've been up online for about two weeks and they're already getting the downloads and traction. So it's incredible. Fantastic. So, so there you go. So, so the shorter, often the, the the better. But again, always remembering to give as much value as you can um, in, in, that, in that short, short, sharp space. So, let's move on to something that I, that I do definitely want to get uh, to whilst we have our time <laughs> together. Let's say I come to you and um, I, I say, "Okay, Peter, I uh, I really want to do this TEDx talk. Uh, I've got a, a slot to do this." and kind of know what I want to talk about. How do we get started? What do we do? Okay, so th th this whole period, this whole period at the beginning is really, for me and the client and the speaker, potential speaker, to really define lots of different things. So to define you know, okay, what, what is the message? What, what, what is that message you want to share? Why do you want to share that message? Who's that message for? How do people see, how do, how do you think people perceive you as a, as, a, as a speaker? Or how do you think they'll perceive you when you stand on that stage and share your messages? Yeah, what's, mm. what's the type, what kind of tone do you want to hit? Is it you want something, do you want to shock them? Do you want to emotionally get under their skin and get them to think differently about something? Do you actually want them to do something? Do you actually want to, you know, as a call to action to actually make them do something? Often, in fact, uh, surprisingly, TEDx talks don't have a call to action and that's okay. Often it's just about thinking about something or yeah. getting people to reflect upon something that relates to them through what people share. Yeah, normal, a normal presentation, a, a workshop or whatever, a talk, a call to action. Yeah, do something, think differently, um, do this. But a TED talk doesn't necessarily have to do that. It's, it's more about the, the emotional um, engagement of, of what you're sharing and the story, often the story. Yeah. yeah. So, so a lot yeah. of the period at the beginning is mostly about me really getting to know that person, really getting to know their, their, their story on how they see things. And often, often their idea at the beginning is actually we, we, we kind of go off at a tangent because their idea of the story and the messages they want to share are okay. But just through speaking to me and, I, and me asking the right questions, 
hopefully the right questions and getting getting some answers that they haven't even thought of can often take us on a different path to a better message and a better part of the story right yeah so it's it's a it's a kind of i wouldn't say brainstorming but it's a it's a period of of us getting to know each other but more really me getting to know the client and really how and and why he wants to share his messages yeah it's, yeah. it's one of to me one of the most important things in in speaking uh and whether it be on a TEDx stage or anywhere is that ability to edit down what you're going to say and to really hone your message. So it sounds like you, know, you are great at asking the kinds of questions that help people to say, what's what's really important here? What's superfluous? What they don't need to have in here uh, and doesn't really, fit with the, doesn't really fit with the tone or the message of what you're trying to deliver. Uh, we can actually get rid of, look, we can get rid of all this. Let's focus on this bit. Um, and that takes us where I think it's very easy when when you're in it or when it's your stuff to not be able to see the clearer picture. You know, you, sometimes you, you know, the thing of not being able to see the wood for the trees is that um, you can't see the whole landscape of of or the whole ecosystem that your talk's going into. Um, but somebody outside of that who has a bit of an insight into the ecosystem that you're going into can and say, okay, these are things you need to be considering and asking yourself these questions. Is this what you really want to put out there in this way? Um, when it comes to stories, I mean, can, can you really have a good TED Talk without a good story, do you think? Okay, so so stories, so storytelling, if you look at it as a way of sharing real, real, real things that have happened to you or other people with emotion. So things that have happened with with some kind of emotion and those two things are what people want to listen to that essentially that's that's what story is that's what what stories are they're things that have happened right and maybe the consequences of those things create an emotion or an emotion during that time and then what's going to happen next and so all these when i say emotion i mean you know it could be anything achievement success Frustration, <coughs> disappointment, something dramatic, you know, surprise. So, so you look at it that way, um, and that's really what story is. All you know, anything with that in it gets people's attention because we we you know we want to listen. We we our, our ears prick up when we hear something about somebody else. Gossip. That's what gossip is. Right. Gossip. So when people, so celebrity magazines, gossip magazines, all these things on YouTube of, of what people are doing, divorcing and having sex with him or her, whatever it is. These are these. This is what uh, these are stories about other people, and we want to know what other people are doing, how they're feeling. You know, the drama, the the the, the good things, the bad things. Often the bad things we want to know. Yeah. It's not us. It makes us feel better. So. The answer to your question is a TED talk. Other, can you have a TED talk without a good story? Uh, no, because <laughs> it's all about that emotion and things that have happened and the emotion. So it's really, really about um, that, that, that emotional side. I know I keep saying that word, but it's it, the more should be should be done and more should be you know a real high focus should be put on that that emotional feeling and getting people to re relate to you and or relate to the message and put themselves in that in that position how does it how do they feel about things you know mm. and if you could manage to do that through through the power of story certainly at the beginning of your your tour getting people to to feel the same as you felt or or they can imagine how it feels already you're getting people inside to kind of nod they're kind of nodding uh mentally and agreeing with you so the more agreement you get especially at the beginning of of your speech even though they may not they don't have to say yes i agree or they don't even have to nod just inside they're like agreeing with what you're saying or can relate to it 
it, it pulls you along. That's what I mean. You had not so long ago uh, um, a gentleman, a comedian, I think. Is that right? On I've had show. a few. Uh, You've had <laughs> there's been a few. <laughs> it's the comedy, it's John Ball's comedy show. Uh, comedy <laughs> um, on airlines, airline comedy. There you go. Two more. Um, but that might um, be my stand up yeah, routine. Yeah. Um, have you ever done stand up, by the way? No, but I really would like to, yeah. Not yet. So, yeah, comedians do that all the time. You know, getting us to, to, to feel, especially observational comedy, getting us to really relate to things that <coughs> have happened and they, they, they can put themselves in that position and see somebody else forfeit the, uh, the outcome, <laughs> the negative outcome often, you know, which is funny. Yeah. 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 One, of, one of the reasons for having so many comedians come on and humorous speakers as well, not just uh, professional stand-ups, but has been because many of them are incredibly good at storytelling and they're very good at that emotional connection and the, the pathos and stuff and, and bring, bring people in. I, I would say in terms of that, my favorite guest in terms of storytelling so far, at least, has been a guy called Matthew Dix, who won the uh, who, who's won the Story Slam, the Moth Story Slam in the US multiple times, and uh, you know, I, I think he was telling me that 47, 46, 47 wins of the Moth Story Slam and the Grand Slam at least six times. I think incredible storyteller uh, and can take you, you know, um, take you on a real emotional roller coaster, but. Um, I think those are those to me. Those and comedians like they're great people to learn from when it comes to the art of storytelling because they won't just get to laugh. They will also have the contrast in there of um, something that will make you feel a bit bad or sad or, or different, and then slam in something that's absolutely hilarious for that greater impact. It's masterful, honestly. It's masterful, and, that, and that's one of the reasons to have been speaking with so many of them. Um, and uh, as uh, I think it was Jeremy Nicholas who was on the show a little while ago, who was saying, you know, if you want to get paid as a speaker, <laughs> you have to uh, you have to make them laugh as well. So. Jeremy Nicholas is he? Um, he was a he worked for the BBC a long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great guy. Great. I don't yeah, know him. Really great guy. I've never met him. Yeah, no. I've he kept he kept the show going even when my life feed dropped out. <laughs> he started telling everyone a story, uh, so that that was quite incredible. Um, so look, we, we're going to start drawing things to a close, but there's many more things to talk about and maybe come back and have another conversation. We'll talk about uh, airlines and hospitality and all that kind of stuff. I, for a... I would love that. That would be great just to talk about communication, airlines, planes, and and the way um, you know the travel industry communicates would be really interesting. So it yeah, would be so what, an interesting yeah, topic. From a, from a point of view of somebody who's, who's worked in, I um, worked for Thompson Holidays, so many years ago seven countries all together and then I quit and then as as a, as a, a coach and, and, and an MC over the last 10 years um, it's mainly traveling and, and flying but yeah. but yeah I um, I would love to talk about I'd love to, to share insights and and, uh, and make people maybe aware of those small subtle things that are going on around us so the next time we go on a plane whenever that will be in the future whenever if that will ever happen again um, so more aware of, of of the subtleties and and why people say things uh, yeah. and do things uh, while while traveling. Yeah, yeah, I might have to get my, my ex crew friend Mandy in on that as well. She's uh, <laughs> she's been doing radio presenting for years and has now set up her own radio station for cabin crew. Now that she's uh, left really? the airline stuff, yeah, yeah, incredible. Um, so yeah, that could be that could be a fun discussion. And um, I want people to be able to find out more about you. So what's the best place for people to come and, and see what you're doing and, and connect with you? Yeah, easiest way, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Peter Hopwood. Although, although I do have to say, there's another, there's quite a few Peter Hopwoods out there. And um, there was one very quick, I gotta I got tell you this really quickly. Don't uh, choose the Peter Hopwood who lives in Amersham because <laughs> that's not me. And he doesn't look like me, although we linked up on LinkedIn not so long ago and we were just chatting and we, you know, the same same surname, um, nothing to do with me at all. But I just asked him, you know, about his maybe where was his grandmother, where where did where does his you know grandparents live? And we we actually found out that his grandmother uh, lived in the same place as my grandmother. Um his grandfather 
um, uh, was a, lived in the same place as my grandfather. They both had the same names, and it turned out he's he's my cousin. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> and the great, but the crazy thing is, my dad and his dad both called their sons Peter, Peter Hopwood. And Isn't that funny? Isn't that crazy? And he lived not too too far. My, I mean, my parent, my father, and I think his, his uncle. They 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 had a disagreement, and they you know as families do sometimes, um, you know don't sort of um, live apart and don't come together, which is what happened with my father's family, which is okay. But so interesting now, mm -hmm. forty seven years later, I find I you know by random, and I could have clicked on any Peter Hopwood. This guy, I looked at him. He seemed okay. Seemed seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. On yeah. it and found out it's actually my cousin. So. When you click on Peter Hopwood, not the make Peter sure Hopwood it's the right one. If you do, and he links up with you, say, you know, I listened to um, to a show uh, with John and Peter, um, your cousin. Um, <laughs> he can help you with speaking uh, ideas. Yeah, but the other one that looks like me is me. Link up there, and uh, you know, you never know when we might need each other. Um, me and John, we do the same, a lot of the same things, help helping people really to to share the share our share their messages in the right way so um so link up with me and if you think i can help you in in, in some way um reach out and let's start a conversation great uh, and and please do make sure you connect with the right peter hopwood uh, i have similar issues peter you can imagine with a name like john ball it's not the most johnny uncommon. ball, johnny ball um, yeah I, I often tell people that i'm related to johnny and zoe and all that kind of stuff but you know show? i'm not what was the show in the 80s oh think of a number that was uh, think johnny of ball. a number so you can imagine, you can imagine the fun I had growing up with that name. So, <laughs> I guess there's like so many John, yeah, John Balls, but not so many in Spain. No, thankfully, that would be thankfully. weird if there were. It, it would more more Juan's and uh, Juan Balota here. <laughs> Peter, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Definitely, we'll, we'll hook up again for a show and uh, do some talk about communication in the hospitality industry. That'd be fantastic. Thank you for everything you shared today, for your insights and uh, your knowledge into TED and uh, TEDx speeches and and uh, other stuff besides. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Thanks. Thank you so much, John. And I hope we can do this again sometime. We will. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to like and subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It really helps. Why not grab yourself a copy of the Last Minute Presentation Checklist? If you want yours, visit presentinfluence.com and follow the download links. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who would or you're interested in sponsoring the show or finding out more about presentation skills, please contact me, john at presentinfluence.com. You can find me on Twitter at John A. Ball or on Facebook. Join the group Speaking Influence and come and find out more as well as getting daily content from me and updates on all the latest trainings and courses available. Also, check out my new podcast, Points of Change, all about life transformation and the people who make that happen. Lots of great conversations going on there, available on all good podcast players. Have an incredible week and join us again next time on Speaking of Influence.